Well, hello. Well, that's been a while. Uh, welcome to I Got Lucky with King's Eyes, the returning show about two, three months after it very unceremoniously was halted and nothing in particular has happened on the show since. Nothing of note has come up that I wanted to talk about. That is a big fat lie, but that's why a lot of uh, today's episode is also going to be uh, you know, running through some things that have happened both in my life, uh, internationally, but definitely is worth uh, taking up. Um, a, cam- uh, a new campaign that I've uh, recently launched and I intend to keep going for a little while. Uh, we got some WRC things to talk about, and we also um, have more sour grape news uh, when it comes to the professional wrestling and all that stuff that I have uh, a little bit of a liking to. Uh, so the intro track you're hearing is by a fella named Wax, uh, artist from out in the United States over in California. Um, super gracious dude, want to give a huge shout out to him as he has offered me the chance to use uh, any music out of his catalog. And if uh, you're curious about Wax and the track that you've just heard, I would absolutely recommend you go ahead and check him out. He's available on Spotify. You can find him on Twitter. That's at Big Wax. He also has a uh, website. It's I believe it is wax.com.com. So W-A-X-D-O-T com. Check that out. Um, and show him some love, you know? Show him that you listen to IGL and that you appreciate the stuff he's done. Uh, he's an incredibly versatile dude. Started with rapping, but now he does all sorts of amazing stuff. Um, yeah, one of my absolute favorites. And it's it's a an absolute privilege and an honor to be able to use his music. Right, so with that shout-out out of the way, uh, let me uh, talk a little bit about how I've been. When was it I last did an episode? Shit, was it like November? Must have been November, maybe early December. I cannot quite recall, and I'm not about to pull up uh, our service provider to find out. But since then, um, the decision obviously was made that I was going to stay in the UK for Christmas. Uh, that was uh, a new experience for me. Um, it didn't really... Uh, hit me or feel like it struck me uh, in any particular fashion beyond like, oh, this, you know, it'll be something new, but it it stung uh, quite a bit on the actual day through no fault of my hosts because they are amazing people. I love them to death. Uh, but being away from my family as I have been now for it's February. So I've been it's been six months at this point, uh, which is rough. Not gonna lie. Uh, I, I feel like I've done uh, relatively well for myself in terms of, you know, I've, I've managed to stay up. Uh, I do miss them. I miss them dearly. Um, and I, I do look forward to seeing them in what at this point looks to be very much like it'll be April. Uh, but yeah, I, I starting to really feel that right about now that, you know, missing the family definitely is high on my list of things. Um, among which, uh, other other places on the list i've been keeping very very busy uh rebooting and like redoing uh, a lot of the sigil arts stuff uh the new podcast section on the front pages was the thing uh i've also the main thing that's consumed my time I, i would say is the fact that i this project i sold which i'll go ahead and disclose it's a auto sports like web store that I, that's the project that I spoke on previously uh, that I sold. Uh, that has been about eight or ten hours of my day since the last episode aired, I would say, which has been, you know, one of the, the, the core things and core reasons as to why I haven't really been, 
you know, publishing episodes and I've been focusing more on the administrative side of Sigil Arts. Though I, it was always intended I was going to come back to the show and I was always going to keep going because this is absolutely a passion of mine still uh, and being titled The Arduous Rambler uh, by uh, particularly my fiance. I suppose that's uh, it goes without saying. Uh, and I'm sure it's very, uh, very much a contrast to what uh, my family would know, because usually I'd be apparently very lackluster on detail and not speak too much unless like uh, asked extra for things. So there's there is that. Uh, what else been going on? Uh, obviously, the, the pandemic uh, seems to have um, nothing much has changed for a little while i did get a, a text here from the uh, municipality that i live in back in norway who said that now the waiting lists were open for me to go get vaccinated that's in norway um i am looking forward to see if i could potentially get the vaccines whilst i'm still here in the uk because i am registered with a gp over here which i'm sure would uh, be able to provide that to me at some point uh, ideally anyway not gonna expect at this point that i'll get it within the next two months would be it would be quite nice not gonna lie to know that i have some protection from this stuff which now the uh, the it seems we're heading towards control and it's going to be for the vast majority of places that will have herd immunity by august is what i keep hearing and reading which that's realistic and i see the numbers in many places are are dying down which is very good um, been very good about that, you know, sanitizing frequently, never leave home without a mask, always wear it in public places, uh, social distancing, uh, everywhere. And usually our only trips out have been to go for little walks around the neighborhood or to go grocery shopping. I can't say we've been really out and about for anything in particular for months, to be quite frank. And whilst that could drive someone stir crazy, absolutely, uh, I feel like we've we've persevered well. It's been we've settled into a routine, a, a halfway bad one, because I wake up at like anywhere between 12 and 3 every day. I'm trying to change that now, though. I did wake up around 12 today, which I, I'd say that's about normal, even if I then were just loitering in bed for about three hours before I bothered to get up and do anything. Um, I'm not uh, too far removed actually as of recording this from having gotten out of bed so there you go um what else around that that is a great question uh, obviously uh the, it's a it's a big effect on the uh the studies and the the things that i'm supposed to be conducting over here not so much my daily routine but just kind of uh the motivation and things of the stuff it, it, it floundered and has floundered I have found in last couple of days, though I have been, uh, or last week or so even, I've been uh, finding myself in kind of a philosophical headspace where I'm I'm reviewing a lot more of of myself and my thinking and things that I do and conduct in a day. And it's something that I learned in this book uh, by Mark Manson. It's called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, uh, which is to try as much as possible to like... Um, try and distinguish your physical and your mental being so the mental is much more an observer of what the physical is doing so you can be like oh i grabbed this thing of lavender oil okay why did i do that hmm this that and the other okay or in instances of okay i got angry why did i do that what was it that triggered it and try to rationalize more of the way that i might feel and think about certain things 
Uh, that's I read the book, I think, about a year ago, and then I've been picking that up on and off since. Um, and that's been... Um, I'd say it's an interesting tool to have uh, have learned, really, and to try and use, because really there's no there's no playbook, really, is there, for how to work your own mind. But the um, to then establish little rules of the sort is interesting. Uh, to see how that then affects your thinking long-term of other things and how you decide to go about things, because you kind of, you learn to know yourself even a bit better. It's I've found it fascinating anyway. And um, in the spirit of that, I have launched a campaign, which I'll get into. I just I have another bit and bob that I want to get through first before I talk about that campaign. Uh, and that is holy smokes, the U.S. election and the preceding couple of months after that. So obviously there is no one that's lived far enough under a rock to not have heard or seen even all the stuff that has happened between November 3rd and January 6th, all the way up to January 20th even, in the United States. Uh, that, while I'm not going to comment uh, specifically on, on the people, uh, I will comment on the situations, and it is what a fucking circus that has whole, that entire thing has been quite honestly uh just full on face like outward lies to every medium and you know besmirching mediums that actually do tell facts and are respectable and will hear more side of the story but also will uh, push you and disagree with you uh, things of the sort like CNN or NBC and ABC those outlets i find i I've come to be quite a frequent watcher of CNN recently. Um, I, I really do enjoy their coverage, and I, it might also be very well aligned with my own political ideology, which, fr frankly, if I wasn't sure before now, I, I definitely I land somewhere more in a Democratic pocket than I ever would in a Republican. Uh, not that I ever would be a Republican. That's just, that seems ass-backwards, and like they are, they exist to just be kind of the, the ones to villainize in many a sense because they don't have facts on their side they'll throw wild accusations and in debate they will much more be out to attack their opponents than they will be to find solutions of their own based on their value sets and in america which i am not a native of america i'm a native of norway uh politics in norway are much more uh local i, I would argue uh, but the United States politics, obviously, they go to be a model for a, a lot of how the world is. And you see you see not contrast, but parallels, uh, say, here in the UK. You might see some of them actually also in Norway. You see them all over the place, really. Um, but it definitely is injected with steroids in the US. And when you get things of the sort, like the campaign of the 45th president of the United States, whose name I try my best not to mention. Uh, you will know by searching. Oh, you can actually just, I think it is a thing now that you can just type in loser.com and you'll get the um, the information on that guy. I didn't mean to plug that. Nobody should go and check him out for any given reason. It's it, it just scum uh, on every which level. With uh, things of the sort like uh, perpetuating this big lie thing 
which the big lie uh, in its essence is the 45th president parading that he wouldn't lose the election unless it was rigged. And then he did lose the election by quite a mile and then some. Uh, and then he would parade this story for, uh, yeah, uh, still does, to my knowledge, even if now his Twitter is gone, which I'll get into how that was just a Hail Mary and a fantastic day. Um, but it was parading that, oh, there was fraud, massive voter fraud, that there were ballots that were being dumped in the middle of the night that all said Biden and things. Not thinking that, obviously, uh, he had, he has four years of presidency behind him where all he did was failure and, uh, you know, take credit for things that were set up by the previous establishment with Obama for eight years who did a, well... Well, he had the quote somewhere. I think he was doing the thank you cards on uh, Jimmy Fallon, uh, where the question was, how do you like me now, said Obama, which I I also I got my hands on. I actually got for Christmas. I got Barack Obama's A Promised Land. I'm really looking forward to reading that, even if I've, I've become much more a I, I got to. I got to have a feel for it first. I've just started Hitchhikers to the Galaxy or a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Even it's laying there on my nightstand and I'm reading some pages here and there. Um, but that's a massive digression. Regardless, uh, the 45th president had four years of just bad, uh, of literally cementing his legacy to be the worst president in U.S. history, not just modern, but U.S. history in total. Um, and something in the ballpark of 400,000 lives plus uh, died under him for his recklessness in uh, how he handled the pandemic or didn't handle the pandemic because he did not. He denied and refused and didn't want to take blame for anything, and that's kind of how the U.S. ended up in the situation it did. I did not particularly need that currently. Go away. So... All of that while perpetuating the big lie and denying the virus and all this other stuff that he has done. Also even um, vetoing um, stimulus checks, meaning that already hungry, starving and Americans that have been struck with poverty uh, wouldn't get the, the help from the government because he vetoed it, which would then put it back to the Senate and back to the Congress to find a solution that he then wouldn't veto. But he would keep vetoing it anyway because he was hammered down on this Section 230 uh, that deals with big tech and things. Uh, again, Republican values seem to land it firmly in the pocket of we are here to be villains. And no more apparent was that than the insurrection on January 6th where Trump uh, incited a mob uh, to go from the White House to the Capitol where they breached the Capitol and did all sorts of sacrilegious things in the building that's supposed to be the sole uh, symbol of American democracy and of government. You you end up kind of lost for words in what to even say. I I know in my case, I just, I lost faith in about 50, like more than half of the country that is the United States of America, genuinely lost faith in it. Uh, not that I had much faith uh, from before. I had already sworn way before the insurrection happened that I was never to set foot in the United States for any given reason, particularly 
uh, because of their gun loss and the fact that you can, it's seemingly, there is a new shooting story every day from every corner of the country where randomly you get shot, you get stabbed. There's all sorts of weird uh, and unlike violence, just it's it would be an uncomfortable uh, safety risk to take for which I swore that I'll, I'm never stepping foot there. My exception might be Hawaii or something uh, of that sort where it's a completely uh, different culture for all sorts of things like that. Uh, then obviously the whole impeachment thing. Second impeachment, first time in history that a, a president who was a sitting president, mind you, uh, was impeached for a second time. And also first time in history that a president has been acquitted for a second time, that he went unpunished and he is still uh, able to run for president again in 2024. But though, uh, let's have some consolation in the fact there will not be a second Trump presidency under the, feasibly it cannot happen on a couple of on a couple uh, of reasons one the amount of states that Joe Biden turned during this last election and the gap with which he won the popular vote uh, the most votes for a presidential candidate in history that takes in a, a fair few uh, elections, as he's now the 46th president. Um, and Democrats, and surely Republicans also, who saw the uh, what happened during the insurrection, and also maybe with, you know, the benefit of hindsight and looking at the, the four-year term that the 45th president of the United States served, they will see this did us no good, except just uh, lower our standing in the world and make us uh, the mockery of the world. If we weren't already, we definitely are now. And Republicans shouldn't under any circumstance then nominate him again. The fact that he has political standing in the Republican Party currently tells you kind of how the divide or the fall of the GOP currently is working out for him. It is not... Uh, it's not pretty. I remember distinctly back in 2012, I was following the Republican uh, nomination for uh, for a candidate, which ended up being Mitt Romney at the time. But I was following, and you saw like, um, what what were their names? One of them passed here recently. Uh, there was Rick Santorum. You had uh, Mike Perry. Was it Mike Perry or Rick Perry? I think. Mm. I don't want to be looking this stuff up now, but one particular candidate was Ron Paul. Uh, that was a candidate that I, I kept a close eye on because he had a lot of more liberal values uh, than what the rest of the uh, candidates were suggesting. And a lot of it hit home and made sense and would have been a nice direction if you were going to go vote Republican anyway. His direction definitely would have been a better one than what was suggested in many other places. And that was clearly also evident when the the 2012 election happened and obviously Obama won a second term. Uh, history passed as it did. Uh, and since then, they seem to have just been have a, like, when you find it in yourself to nominate someone who uh, is notoriously, you know, in and out of courts, 
uh, his uh, refuses to give out tax return his tax returns. Uh, uh, it's been you know uh, put bankrupt many a time. Uh, like beyond mention, there's. You see, I'm struggling for words in terms of, uh, like, what's the worst thing for me to mention uh, when it comes to him? Because there is such a laundry list of things you could mention. There's sexual assaults. There's nasty divorces. There is uh, apparent. Uh, there's sexual misconduct allegations. There is his tax returns in which he. Uh, has just, you know, uh, it's just a fallacy, the numbers that came out there, such as $70,000 on hairstyling. I'll, I don't think I've spent a thousand. I, I, no, uh, in going to a hairstylist to get my hair cut every two, like every six months or so, but whatever my routine is, I don't think I've spent $1,500 in total over my 27 years of existence on anything to do with grooming. I suppose that's also helpful with how I look the way I do. And it might be an inaccurate number, but that's just, I'm just guessing in hearsay. And my parents obviously were paying for a lot of that in the beginning. There is, like, he is going to go down in history as the worst I don't think there is any skirting around it. Like, even Republicans currently, there's many a time, apparently, there are stories out that they agree with a Democratic or a bipartisan stance, but they can't vote for it because they'll fall out with their own party because the most lousy politician ever elected for office sits with all the power in that party. And let's hope for the Republican Party that the 45th president finds it in himself to rather start his own party so that the GOP can get back to values um, and a more normal way of life for themselves. And speaking of a more normal way of life, uh, I want to bring up and I want to touch on something, and it is uh, this new campaign that I have launched recently. It's called Reclaim Life. Hashtag Reclaim Life. Uh, what exactly is that, and what in the world do I mean by that? Well, let me let me ask some questions then. First of all, how are you feeling these days? Do you feel like everything is uh, back to normal, or have you found uh, a, a new normal for yourself during these very difficult times uh, with COVID and the whole pandemic and everything else that's going on in the world? Are you, uh, I feel. And I'm going off of personal here. I feel like in a lot of cases, I've lost my way with, uh, I, you know, in a normal situation at this point, uh, I would probably be on my way home from the university after a productive day of lectures and studies, probably a lunch out with uh, the, the fellow students uh, in my lecture room, uh, possibly something else. I might have gone out to town. I might have. Uh, done some shopping. I might have done just a little bit of sightseeing, just walking just to get, you know, have done something that day. Once the pandemic struck and all these lockdowns were announced and all that sort of stuff, um, the the wake of all of that is we have uh, cases, not just of COVID, but of depression, 
anxiety and just general anguish that have skyrocketed as a result because uh, younger people uh, and I'm I'm sure also people that have become unemployed uh, or people that are like all demographics and all nations are struggling with the fact that we have this pandemic and we've had to fall into a new normal where the social convergence of people happens through things like Zoom or Microsoft Teams or that kind of thing where activities we'd usually do like go to a gym uh, or you know stand in line to go for a concert or the heck anything that has to do with sports or you know entertainment live of any uh, type uh, all of that is just gone uh, and we are being told time and time and again to stay home at best go ho go out for walks like stay home as much as possible and that at some point or another is going to uh, and it has I, I read a case here no more than I think a month ago that a, a mother uh, announced and told the story of how her 19 year old son had passed away to suicide that is a 19 year old there is nothing he in normal circumstances would have experienced in life that would mean that he has lived a life to the fullest there is still a, a life of settling down with someone possibly having children finding a job uh succeeding in business uh, you know, fi finding hobbies that maybe as as a kid he might have thought otherwise of, but now he has picked them up and he's found real passion. But because of lockdown measures and because he wasn't allowed to go converge with his friends uh, or have that social that he otherwise would have had, it it, it ended for him, and that was a that was a tough story to read. But sadly. Very much sadly in all this, that's not the only case of this. It's been at an all-time high many places, and I, I, I can say, like, I've had this, this brain fog over me since, I would say, probably May of 2020, where, bear in mind there, I had just gotten back to Norway. I had, uh, like, quarantined for two weeks, where it's just me, no one else in the, uh, the apartment I was staying in. Uh, no really like permission to go out for any particular reason, not allowed to go into stores for any given reason. All I had to do was to sit there, uh, muck about on the computer or possibly, you know, play some Animal Crossing or something. That's one thing positive that I picked up during that. Uh, but then gotten out and now um, my situation at the time was I was um, moved to my like to where we usually would vacation, where I lived after that. I lived there for five months, where I was doing work, and in between that, really just sitting at home. I don't think I had a single day during them five months where I didn't have a beer in my hand. Uh, and just sitting there and trying to not, not think about, but clearly I was affected by what had happened. And it was an it was an example that hit home, uh, and like the the whole quarantining thing is still fresh in my mind. This feeling of like, as I cannot compare it to prison, as I've not ever been in one, but it was almost like a self induced prison stay. It was the weirdest thing.
and uh, obviously took a, a huge effect on my mood uh, in every which way. And uh, recently we had this assignment given to us, uh, which is uh, to uh, make a social media presence and to like build a website and to have a campaign running alongside it. And then it kind of struck me in there, just like the campaign that I would want to run definitely uh, is to do with trying uh, on my own, but also through my own actions. Maybe uh, you never know with these things, but you might be able to motivate someone else to do the same. Uh, and so what hashtag reclaim life is, is essentially a movement to try and find our way back to the normal that we used to know rather than oh they they might de-escalate the pandemic by august uh that's the the general projection by now um and that we just we stay in the same sort of bubble that we have been in now for a year effectively that whole thing like the premise is just to try and re-establish the patterns that i was in such as waking up at a sensible hour, having breakfast every morning, um, going out for walks, doing something productive in a span of hours uh, in the, the early bits of the morning, having a good dinner, uh, doing some exercise, doing laundry, doing dishes, keeping a clean habitat, all sorts of things that I, I'll say in particular for me, I've fallen completely out of. I had such a growing passion for cooking um, in the, the late bits of 2020. Uh, but then obviously new lockdowns were put in place, uh, and myself and, uh, my fiance were uh, limited to, it's just the two of us in the house now. And it's been like that since January where we've been living by ourselves for two months, which I don't mind that, but also we were supposed to be four with uh, Say Invader and our other uh, tenant, which has been a, a different dynamic all entirely because that's also away from the normal that I've been established to for a year and a half. Uh, so essentially what that is what the, the campaign is. It is to try and reestablish normal, uh, like find back to the normal that we had uh, as best as we can until the pandemic uh, is over. And once it is to try and be on equal footing to where we left off, essentially, is kind of my my aim with that. And even if that's just for me, I am just as pleased with the, the results that might come out of it. It'll be a thing of sharing posts generally one a day for something I might have tried to do or why I didn't do something that I maybe should have done. Uh, you know, all in the the attempt to, in my case, it'll be to try and get back to exercising and to get rid of this brain fog so that I can keep doing creative work and keep uh, striving towards, uh, you know, positive goals uh, for, you know, what I initially went to Winchester for, which was essentially a, a new... A new existence in many ways, where I would be in a different profession, I'd work different days, I'd be uh, living in a different place and have uh, a lot of aspirations to deal with in that regard. Um, obviously that looks bleak currently, but 
uh, it's getting better. Like I've applied for seven or eight different jobs in Norway. I'm looking at a lot of flats. I'm doing a bunch of budgeting, uh, a lot of thinking towards, okay, what do I want this existence uh, from April onward to be? Um, uh, for better or worse, that's what I'm thinking of. And what I hope for others to do also. Uh, this will come as uh, posts on Instagram through my at uh, King's Eyes. It'll be through tweets uh, quite a bit. Uh, I'm assuming it'll be just one per day, really. Uh, and then also through lengthier posts every week to kind of talk about, okay, this is um, how the week was, uh, like how, my, how I normally uh, would have been, how things have been during the pandemic and what I have, what, strives I've made to get back to where I was, essentially, because I, I do not want to land in a position again, like the one that we've had for a year now. But I, I want to find back to, <laughs> rather than be annoyed that I can't go anywhere, I'd rather be annoyed that a coworker has pissed me off and is just a, a general nuisance, much rather, because that means still that I am out and I'm being productive and I'm earning a living somewhere much rather than that quite frankly so uh, i'd say uh, keep an eye out for that with a hashtag reclaim life uh be it on my social medias but also make use of it yourself too like okay uh, the formula is there what was your normal how was it affected in the pandemic and how do you get back to it to try and see if we can uh, do something to slow down the wave of rampant uh, anxieties and depression and things of the sort that have claimed lives, not just the, the disease of coronavirus that has claimed lives in the last year. There definitely has been suicides and things of that awful sort too. So let's, let's try and find something uh, to get us back to where we were is essentially my, my call to all of you that might be listening to this. Um, right. What else was on my thingy today? Right. Okay. So I'm keeping this one take today just because it's a, it's a reestablishing and a return to form really. Uh, and all I'll be doing is just adding the intro and outro music. Okay. So this wasn't in my notes, but obviously there was a Nintendo direct here. I believe, was it yesterday? Yesterday or the day before where, um, I had some expectations for what we might see, and very few of them came to fruition. Um, for one, I was hoping to see that uh, Genshin Impact would make its way onto the Nintendo Switch, uh, just because that is a, a it's an interesting game, and it's it consumes a lot of time. Um, and <laughs> there's this uh, thing that me and my fiance keep redounding to, uh, and it is that um, we saw Edo Ninja, our friends over at Storm Connect, or our, our friend, there's, there's two friends, there's Crunch there too, but in particular, this time it was Edo, uh, was doing a Twitch stream on which he was playing this new game. Uh, we had never seen it before, and then we saw it in action. It was just like, uh, this looks a lot like Breath of the Wild. What in the world is this? And so we kept watching and we kept playing, uh, or not kept playing, we just kept uh, goofing around in the chat with him. Just like, oh, oh, this looks a lot like Breath of the Wild. Oh, this, oh, oh, I've seen that before. And then this smartass fan of Edo's uh, came into the chat and had a, a remark like, oh, Nintendo fans love to bitch. And that's just become a running joke with that game. 
where it is like, oh, this is exactly like uh, in Breath of the Wild or, oh, this is like in DC or maybe in Marvel because it takes kind of from everywhere. And then it's just like, oh, DC fans love to bitch. Ooh, Marvel fans love to bitch. Nintendo fans love to bitch. That kind of thing. Uh, and it's been uh, mentioned how that port is going to make its way onto the Switch at some point. So I was looking forward to that one. Even if I don't really play the game myself, but just to see it there. Um, another thing was, I've, I like I mentioned, I've been playing a lot of Animal Crossing uh, since my quarantine in April of 2020 up until now, more or less daily. I'll spend somewhere between 10 minutes to two hours playing around on my island, which my island is called Windfall. Um, I, I recently did a huge remodel of the place where I, th I think I spent, uh, in terms of in-game currency, I think I spent something like 700,000 bells uh, to move like I don't th there was every building, every building that I had initially placed down, I had to move around to somewhere else because I was remodeling the place. Uh, and in that whole thing, I now have this big field between uh, my resident services and my southeastern where I have my 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 dock. Uh, there's this huge area that I have I'm stumped for what in the world I'm going to do with that area. So for this Nintendo Direct, I was pleading and hoping that they would bring out an update where there would be another store that would be brought in, such as, uh, what's his name, Brewster, who has a, ca a coffee bar or a cafe even. I was hoping that one would be there because then I could build a lot of the area around that. But that never happened. The, what came though was an Animal Crossing update to do with the 35th anniversary of Mario. So now we're getting warp pipes and costumes and things to do with Mario, which will be fun too, by all stretches of the imagination. Uh, I do hope though that Nintendo will actually launch a, a pretty hefty update by the time that the, the game reaches its one year anniversary. That'll be fun, where we could get some more stores or some more major updates um, to just help do more with the area really that would be stellar fun also as has been mentioned i'm looking at three of the books for that series but obviously zelda was uh, a little uh, it was a point in there too where the second you got Eiji aonuma on the screen i perked up immediately i just i yanked myself up and out of the chair almost just because I wanted to hear what he had to say. And immediately he debunked that there would be no information on the sequel to Breath of the Wild. <sighs> and the, just a sigh. Sigh of disgust. Not disgust, but disappointment. That's probably the one. Just like, oh man. Uh, then consoling with, oh, you know, we'll, we'll, we're aiming to have some more information this year. And so, that, that's, okay, that's great. Okay, that's something. And then Skyward Sword HD was announced which was wonderful it's great to see um because that one has been mentioned and talked about and in the pipeline for since the the wii u was launched frankly that they wanted to do a skyward sword hd so i, I never actually owned the game my youngest sister um was the one that purchased this out of us uh, and she played it and she loved it 
I, I did play some bits and bobs, but I never actually completed the game myself. Uh, so this might be a time to do so, as I am, I own no other console presently beyond the Nintendo Switch. Uh, even if uh, the thought is to potentially get myself a, uh, a PS4 or something in the future so that I can play Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I can't not, as a resident Hingadinga Durgan, I can't not own Assassin's Creed Valhalla and figure out how much they got right and how much they definitely got wrong and how little Norwegian or Swedish they speak. That kind of thing. So that's to do with Nintendo and the gaming part of things. Uh, well, though, though, hello, let me also mention, uh, and, you know, in relation to that, we have the, a wonderful new addition to the network. Uh, it's called the Gamers Grind with Choco Taco, which uh, Mance does a... Uh, a live stream on Twitch every other Friday uh, where he has a panel of other friends that'll talk about their experiences with gaming and with different titles and uh, like have a positive conversation about memories that we all cherish really uh, with gaming and that whole platform. Uh, things like I, I could go on to mention things like Super Mario or Zelda, things that I had great memories with and that molded me as a human being as a kid. That's uh, kind of what the the gamers grind does over a cup of coffee uh for an hour and a half two hours every other week on twitch you should check that out uh, i'll have uh, you can find it on uh king's slash grind which you know is an interesting short code but you can find the entire show and all the the episodes there uh, as well as there will be a link to the twitch channel on which uh, that uh, program is disseminating from uh, definitely check that out. Uh, but then let me jump into the motorsports part of things. And if I, I keep in keeping with the, the themes that I had last time we spoke on this sort of stuff, I spoke a lot about one Oliver Solberg and how he definitely will be a world champion quite soon. Um, that was before he signed a deal with Hyundai Motorsports, which if you're interested in WRC, you will know that they won the Manufacturers Championship last year. Uh, and that he was scheduled to be in an R5 car, the i20 R5, uh, for this season until the new, is it the N20? Rally 2, I believe it's called. Uh, the, the new R5 car uh, is launching essentially in like the, the middle of the year. Uh, but then he did. Uh, then he did very well in uh, Monte Carlo uh, until he got stuck. Uh, and then he did very well in the Arctic Lapland Rally. And all of a sudden, it came up on the newsfeed that hey, Oliver Solberg's going to be in a World Rally car for the uh, the next rally, which is Arctic Rally Finland. And that is. A completely bonkers, frankly. But that is also the kind of guy that Andrea Adamo it seems to be. Uh, a man that knows his history, uh, and that is quite the character in the paddock, it seems. Uh, the, <laughs> I've um, heard and seen a lot of uh, his things. And to put Oliver in a world rally car on what will be his second world championship outing for the team is... Uh, Nothing short of fascinating. Uh, 
and Oliver seemed to really do well on the test that they had here quite recently, his first taste of this Generation World Rally car, seemed to do really well there. Uh, got his speed and he even had uh, Adamo in the passenger seat for a ride or two, you know, so that Adamo could test uh, this, um, you know, this protege that he has put in the car. Someone that he, he seems very keen to have Oliver in uh, the main works team and to uh, be a contender for the world championship as soon as possible, seemingly. And Oliver's getting kind of the same treatment as his dad did back in the day, where very abruptly, Petter got the call that he uh, he was to uh, substitute for someone, I think it was Thomas Radstrom, in the 1999 Safari Rally, where he got his first World Rally car outing with Ford. And he pulled fifth place or something ridiculous on his debut in what is definitely the roughest rally uh, on the calendar, which is coming back this year, actually. And so now Oliver's getting that same treatment, but he's doing that about... He's 19. Petter might have got that at the age 99, let's see, 24, I believe he would have been at the time. So Oliver is on a, a fast track, or an Operation Warp Speed even, as is also on his uh, helmet. I saw the, the video for it earlier, uh, Warp Speed, to becoming a, a candidate with the Hyundai Motorsports team for the World Championship, which is incredible. I, I'll go on record and say as much as I think Hyundai is the most solid team in the WRC and have been since the 2017 car launched. Uh, as much as M Sport has done well, as much as Toyota definitely has done well, and as you know, as much as Citroen were wusses and just left because they couldn't get their car right. Uh, I've always kept Hyundai seems to be the most solid team out of the bunch uh, on the field currently. So, and, you know, look no further than the fact that they won the Manufacturers Championship two years in a row now. Uh, that's kind of part of the statement there. Uh, so I'm looking forward to see what they do with Oliver. Uh, he's going to be in the, the junior team for this one rally for now. Uh, may well be that he gets more uh, opportunities with the World Rally car uh, coming up in the next couple of seasons, not in the next couple of rounds. But we'll just have to wait and see. If, if he, by some stroke of madness, uh, manages to get in a point-scoring position for this event... He will definitely have his entire season turn like upended, and it'll be something in the World Rally Car. I've no, no thoughts to the contrary on that. And it, I'm very, very interested to see what comes out of that. Uh, and I look forward to uh, following that whole thing, uh, that whole sport, as it progresses through the season. And. Speaking of season and following a sport, that is the polar opposite of what you do if you are following professional wrestling. And so, obviously, that will denote immediately that my stance, since last we spoke, has changed. It has changed quite a bit. And if you are a professional wrestling fan yourself, I will definitely say that my cornet is about to show. And it's about to show in quite a way. Uh, I've been keeping up particularly with the Wednesday Night Wars, which they are called, which is the ratings war between uh, All Elite Wrestling and WWE's NXT product. 
kept up with that. I've been strictly watching AEW. Uh, just ca- caught bits and bubs of NXT as it's launched on the various sites that I check out. And it started off so well. It started off so well, and there was this grace period with AEW where they literally they could do no wrong. And in many respects, there are still a lot of things that they do well. But, and it's a but that I didn't think would come so quickly, or that it even would come, because they did so much well, and they were adamant to be sports-centric, and to be a valid alternative to WWE's main programming on Mondays and Fridays. Then it dawned on me for this uh, beach break program that they did, where it starts off, and I'll be as blunt in language as I please here, it starts off with a clusterfuck of a tag team battle royal, which is essentially you have both representatives of your team in the ring, and the goal is to be king of the mountain, essentially, to be the last one standing as everyone else is thrown out of the ring. That is just a mess. That has so little to do with an athletic contest to me. That is just like a shoving contest to get someone else out of the ring. Like, what what purpose does that serve? How are you then a valid contender? How have you shown the, the skill, the fortitude, uh, and the general ferocity needed to be a contender for a world championship? You haven't. You've dumped a bunch of people over the top rope of a ring in a clusterfuck that is supposed to start your show with high energy and to be interesting. And it wasn't. From there, we jump into a... I believe this is when they did the cold training montage for Jade Cargill. Now, I don't know this Jade Cargill person or her credentials as a wrestler prior to coming to AEW. But it's not gone well for her so far. Uh, Seemingly, all she uh, has done is parade around uh, with her very fit body, not taking away from her anything physically. But she's just been parading around, standing still, uh, you know, flashing a smile, and been just dead and not that very interesting on the microphone. And so it seems that reflects well, obviously, when she's put in a training montage, which is silent, with just some background music to it. It forwards nothing, is what it does. Like, what purpose does that serve on this wrestling program? It's not going to forward any feud with Cody or Red Velvet, which are the, the ones she will be competing against in her debut. There's nothing of that. It's just her lifting a bunch of weights and seeming like, oh, she's this this tough woman. Which, uh, power to you. But why couldn't this be shoulder content on their YouTube channel? What did it have to do on Dynamite? Then you had a segment scheduled to be the TNT champion Darby Allen was to speak. Uh, and he was to speak accompanied by Sting. That was a segment as advertised for what would be the third, fourth week or so uh, in a row where Sting just comes out, he kind of stands there with a microphone in his hand, and Team Taz interrupts. Team Taz is great for a lot of things, but not for this. Uh, Taz is a fantastic uh, man when he has the horn in his hand, 
Uh, Ricky Starks is an incredible talent. Brian Cage, the fact that he is all natural, it just that's that blows my mind. To be quite honest, to be that big uh, and have that kind of physique and stance and presence that he has with no supplemental illegalities is quite remarkable. Um, there are some more in there too. There's Taz's son Hook, I believe, is in there. And is there one more? I think those are the four main ones. Um, and this segment with Darby was, you know, was deemed to be exactly the same. Where, though, the advertised segment of Darby speaking ended up with just Sting speaking. And it did nothing. It did nothing. Like, uh, it just went out. They just stood in the ring. The uh, the thing with Taz and Team Taz came up on screen. Uh, Sting said a few words, and they went to the back. It was like five minutes long, this entire segment, uh, which is fine. It shouldn't take up too much time from the matches or nothing. But then again, it, it, it was a thing that I saw and I thought, Oh, this serves no purpose. Why is this? Why is this here? Like, what's the what's the deal? What's the point? Uh, you also had uh, Joey Janela cutting a promo, which you know he he with his delivery isn't all that wonderful and that great. Um, he is very technically sound. He surprised me with that in a lot of the matches that he's had. That he is very very good on the mat. When he's not doing social distancing rules and other horse shit of that sort. Again, my cornet's showing quite a bit here. There was that. And then there was a pro wrestling wedding. This, I would say, is probably where the, the biggest bit of disappointment came through for me. Uh, on this night of revelation with how I feel about wrestling these days. Uh, and it was the wedding of Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford with uh, Miro, formerly known as Rusev, um, as the best man. And with... What's his, what's his name? Chuck Taylor. Charles Taylor, as he was called, the butler at the time. Uh, them four... In a professional wrestling wedding, which there is no story ever involving a professional wrestling story, not one ever, that has been anything but mockery, that has been anything but laughter, and ill-conceived of laughter, for one reason or another. And this was not to be an exception, where... Charles Taylor links uh, or cuffs um, Miro to the bottom rope in a way that is just not understandable for reasons no one else but me should know. I, I've uh, you feel when a cuff goes on to one of your extremities. That's very simple. You you feel when it goes on. For no given reason should he be ignorant to the fact that he is cuffed to this bottom rope. There, There isn't a reason for it. Like, it, it goes on, it's supposed to lock on, and it's not supposed to come off. And he did, like, wiggle around and stuff 
in between then and there. And I, I just saw that. Penelope inevitably fell into the cake, which was sitting uh, on a base under which Orange Cassidy was underneath that base of the cake. I'm... I saw this and I thought, where is being an alternative in this? Where is being sports-centric in this? Where is so many of the campaign promises that All Elite Wrestling made for their show about wanting to be genuine professional wrestling once again? It just wasn't there. I just kept looking over that segment and I just thought, this, why? Why is this here? Like, the, it serves literally no purpose for anything. Which is just kind of, it, it just made me really sad, to be honest. And while I, I did keep watching the show uh, and flickered a bit to and from, all of a sudden you have FTR. I'm like, okay, FTR uh, were... Um, you know, they were taken out of this Battle Royal fiasco at the beginning of the show because they had assaulted the, uh, uh, what are they called? The Jurassic Express at the beginning uh, or in last week's show. So they were banned. So I'm sitting there thinking, okay, now the, the you know, the villains or the heels, let's just use that term, are going to grovel at the fact that they weren't in this championship match. Um, and they got Tully there. And I, I watched this and I'm like, okay, well... Uh, inevitably, this, is this just going to be a cold promo? Is it going to be a brawl? What's going to happen? Because that's how professional wrestling works. There's always some sort of catch. It can never be just simply someone talking or someone having a match. There's always something. And they pan to the left. And there, in an office chair, sits Marco Stunt, who has been kidnapped and gagged and tied to this wheelchair. Or this office chair, even. And immediately, I was so disappointed. Because this is supposed to be the greatest tag team in the world today. And you're telling me realistically that now, in front of a national audience and an international audience watching this television show live right now, that they have gone out of their way to prove that they are indeed the best team in the world. They have gone out of their way and kidnapped the the short wrestler that reaches me about to my pelvis. They have kidnapped him because he's short and to hold something over the head of the Jurassic Express. More and more, the, the one thing that was like a, a cool on this show was the main event, which featured, uh, it was Phoenix... It was Phoenix. It was Moxley. It was Pac. And it was uh, the AEW world champion, Kenny Omega. And the Good Brothers, the Impact world champions. Impact tag team world champions, even. I, I That was the one exception on the show that I really felt like, okay, this is cool. Yeah, that and also the women's match a bit earlier in the show. I didn't mention that because this is much, much more so me being disappointed with what I saw that week. Uh, and it really manifesting in me that I 
you can keep your sports entertainment. Let's just put it simple uh, as that, because Vince McMahon, since the 80s, when he took over the Capitol Wrestling, or what was it called? It was CWC, uh, Capitol Wrestling Championship. It was something of the sort. Took over that from his dad. He has perpetuated this thing, sports entertainment, which is to not be, you know, forwarding uh, or booking matches. It is to forward a story, an endless story that takes place in a professional wrestling ring. It's essentially just soap opera and trying to find bits and bobs that will make sense. It's not professional in the wrestling sense that here are these two competitors that in are, the sense of here uh, are these they two. are scheduled to go in the ring they're scheduled to have a fight and that fight inevitably will end with a result being a pinfall a submission a count out disqualification whatever it may be uh a, a, you know a a time draw or whatever you you would call that one a time limit draw that's the one there's so much with sports entertainment because I, I'm not going to call it professional wrestling, much like Jim Cornette will, uh, and as he keeps harping on. And I agree so much with that philosophy now because I'm falling into the sense of this is an insult to my intelligence that this somehow is sports centric, that it is an alternative to what the WWE is doing. It is. It just isn't. It's just the very same, but it's draped in a white, black, and gold logo rather than uh, the two W's with the little swoop. And more and more uh, since that, because that was like three weeks ago, I, I found myself that I am I'm going to be much, much less a follower of professional wrestling. And that's not like, I'm not trying to shout that at the promotions that are currently performing sports entertainment. Uh, this, that's just a personal choice because I am possibly in the category that looked at what All Elite Wrestling were presenting before they really started their shows and a good a bit of the tenure into it. I looked at it and I thought, I, I really want this sports-centric thing because they were touting how they would have analytics for the matches and how the wins and losses would matter and all this other stuff that they would be perpetuating during their press conferences and the podcasts and all this other stuff they were doing. I really fell in love with that notion of it actually being a sport once again. And then it's just fallen into being this soap opera stuff. Just strictly that whole soap opera stuff, because that's the formula that the professional wrestling business has fallen in love with, because that's what made Vince McMahon a billionaire. And that has gotten him vehemently hated since, because he is insulting our intelligence and has watered down professional wrestling and called it sports entertainment, where it is this never-ending story, and it's going for moments, and it's this, that, and the other, and it's just not working. If this formula was such a success, then why have ratings for either show flatlined? Why is Monday Night Raw and Friday Night SmackDown falling down in ratings every single week? 
with, you know, the, the possible upturn whenever you stick Steve Austin on the screen. There isn't, like, the formula of which guys like Russo, Vince Russo, that, that formula doesn't work anymore. Because I, and let me bring this thought experiment out here. If you were to stack up WWE versus Bellator or UFC or MMA, which they are presented very similarly, which one do you believe is credible? Which one do you think you could follow if you're interested in the sports part? Easily. You don't even need to think about it, really. It's the UFC. Because that's that's the closest you'll get to professional wrestling. As it is. Because they, the actual business of that is so diluted and so far beyond recognition and saving of what an actual sport, be it with a predetermined outcome or not, it's not there. It just isn't. And that is... That is sad, which, and also, it's why I am now a, a massive, massive fan of uh, Josh Barnett's Bloodsport. I, GCW, the Game Changer Wrestling deal, I can't get behind uh, with stupidity like the, the social distancing match and this other indie humoring bullshit that they do. But Bloodsport, where it is presented as an athletic contest, there isn't necessarily a winner and a loser as you go into the match. There is on-the-mat wrestling, there is strikes, there are throws, and it is perceived to be an athletic contest. That is what I want my professional wrestling to be, which is why I'm getting Bloodsport, and I'm watching John Moxley versus uh, David Hart Smith. Uh, I think that is tomorrow, as Bloodsport 5. That is what professional wrestling the sort of extremes it'll have to go to if it wants to establish itself as legitimacy. And if just if I were to set up a promotion, those would be the kind of rules that I'd be running with. Though I would tamper dramatically with them just to give a sports presentation, to give an actual alternative. Because we had our hopes very high up with AEW for a very long time. And they have just fallen into the same circle. And a lot... I, I love things like Wrestle Talk and Cultaholic and these places that will talk about professional wrestling. But I, I find I'm not in that same bubble with them anymore where I will blindly agree, more or less, with anything they say on the show. Because they, much like Dave Meltzer, refuse to recognize when something is dumb. Like, I, I know fairly well that it's of no interest to Dave Meltzer what I have to say. But he has in circumstances where he is not mentioned under any circumstance. There's a critique of all elite wrestling where he isn't tagged. There is no reason for which he should see it or should bother or interact with it. But that he would go out of his way to defend them for what they do or what they have done. So I did tweet him, and I asked him to defend these things that I saw now on the latest episode, which was 
equally as harrowing. Hang on a second, let me just pull that up here because that too, this last show they did was a disappointment. Uh, off the top of my head, there was uh, Kenny Omega that was unmasked in a classroom full of children reading a book because that is what the heel champion does these days apparently to, you know, spark interest and to get heat from the, the people in the business. And it definitely did, but it was the kind of go-home heat. Hang on a second, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Uh, I'm just looking through my tweets here, just so I can read it out loud. There it is. Okay, so I tweeted at Dave Meltzer, and I went, Defend the that AEW show. Defend Kenny Omega reading a book to kids in a classroom during a pandemic. Cargill and Shaq playing basketball. Defend a mascot delivering a contract. Defend an exploding barbed wire deathmatch as a sanctionable main event. Go ahead. He's liable to respond to these things. He has not responded to me, and obviously, no, I wasn't expecting that. But it wouldn't have surprised me if he did, considering his track record of just kind of looking through his nose at people and keeping on speaking and defending just tomfoolery. But that's the example, then. Shaq and Jade doing once again one of them silent uh, exercise vignettes where they're not saying anything. It's just there to look like shoulder content to put on your YouTube channel. Or just the the very odd thing that I also then... I tweeted to Tony Khan, the owner and president of All Elite Wrestling. And it was... How in the world is an exploding barbed wire death match in any form or fashion a sanctionable main event for the what's supposed to be their WrestleMania? I I I look forward to seeing someone else get the response from him on that because frankly it isn't. If you look contrast the the two competitors in this match, you have Moxley and you have Omega. Those two, their first match they were supposed to have, couldn't be sanctioned because it was deemed to be too brutal. So for Full Gear, they had a lights-out match, anything uh, goes, where they were falling into barbed wire, they were cutting one another over the back, they were tearing apart the ring, and they were doing all sorts of various just goddamn foolishness, which, you know... If you are into the hardcore scene and that kind of thing, absolutely. But that came out of necessity from putting those two in a match. And the story was that they couldn't sanction it. And Moxley obviously was pissed that he wouldn't be able to get a win sanctioned over Kenny Omega. Still doesn't. But for this, that now will be their rubber match. For the World Championship, supposed to be the biggest deal in the business currently... It's completely cool to put them then in an even more ludicrous stipulation of barbed wire that is exploding in a death match, which generally is, again, my cornet's showing and is showing quite well. That is the sort of stuff with the fluorescent light tubes where people are just cutting one another up for sport, uh, contracting all sorts of weird diseases and just generally the sort of idiocy that you expect from a barn somewhere. That is now uh, going to be highlighted as the main event of their WrestleMania show, because the world title always goes on last in that promotion. Thank fuck, they got that on right. That is disappointing. 
it's contradictory to what they have wanted to do and contradictory to the story that they have put together so far. Why is that? Why? Where is the appeal for that type of match? Why is it necessary to be ECW or uh, what's the, the this Ian Rotten guy and his promotion, whatever that is? Why is it necessary for All Elite Wrestling, supposed to be the big competitor to WWE, why is it necessary for them to do that? Why can't they establish professional wrestling as a sport once again, like they said they would? Nothing about a exploding barbed wire deathmatch is sport. That's idiocy. It's lunacy. And somehow suggesting that that is going to be the main appeal for purchasing All Elite Wrestling's Revolution, coming up now in the, the, the early bits of March. That I, I'm not going to shill out however much it is. I think it's like 25 or 30 bucks for that pay-per-view. No. Hell to the no. That's not happening. <laughs> I'll catch the results after, and the amount of negative reviews and bullshit that'll come out of it, but frankly, that is just so disappointing, and it is... Uh, it's so far removed from being anything to do with, like, oh, a, a big main event and a big match feel. No, that is a, a car crash waiting to happen over what's supposed to be the most coveted championship in the business currently, except the IWGP heavyweight title. And if that's the sort of idiocy that AEW wants to run, okay, fine. Well, they're, they're no better than WWE then. My one exception to watching that whole show currently would be the Rhodes family. With Cody, who is doing very, very well for himself, and Dustin, who, if anybody at this stage of his career was to earn a world title opportunity, that's the guy. Incredible wrestler. I don't think he ever had a world title match let alone he held the Intercontinental title a couple of times. But over a career that's now spanned three, possibly four decades, he has put the work in. He definitely should be in line for a match for that championship. Win or lose, at the very least, he should have the opportunity to. Rather than just linger about and do, you know, dark and stuff of the sort, which dark is fine. But point being, he should do more, and he should be involved at a higher level, because he has a skill to be involved at a higher level. Look no further than his match with Cody at Double or Nothing. I think I've ranted and raved just about long enough about that now. I will say, though, also, uh, as relates to professional wrestling, I have been conducting and concocting a thought experiment for if I were to set up a promotion of my own. What that would constitute. And let me tell you, um, I would be a revolutionary, a successful revolutionary actually, of the professional wrestling business with the things that I have thought of, which... I am, I am not a Vince Russo uh, type of booker. I am not necessarily a Jim Cornette type of booker, though I would agree more with that philosophy. I am 
I am I'd be my own kind of promoter. I would actually provide that revolution that we have sought out. That AEW, as much as they may tout rant and r- rant, might tout rant and rave that they're doing sports centric and all this other stuff. No, no, uh, far removed from anything that we've seen these days, with the exception of Bloodsport, with the exception of that one. That's all I'll say about it. It's a thought experiment that I keep concocting and I keep writing up about. I have a dissertation's worth of thoughts and scribblings and ramblings about how that would work. That's more than likely never going to see the thought of day, but it's good imagination for me to put it out there uh, on the piece of paper and to have it for myself. Because it means that I'm not too too awfully bitten by the whole sports entertainment nonsense and that I would want my wrestling conducted in a different way that definitely would be beneficiary and would change the business as it is currently we'll see what comes of it we'll we'll just see I'm not going to uh, assume or think that anything will come of it but again, anything creatively that I could put my sink my teeth into, I will. And also to have it said, most things that I set my head to doing, I'm unstoppable. And I may very well end up pursuing. Huh. That is a realization even to me, though. Right, well, with that, let me think. Uh, let me think to say uh, thank you very much for listening. This has been the longest podcast I ever recorded, and it's a one take. What in the world have I been doing? Well, it's been, I've had a lot to get off my chest, essentially. Uh, thank you very much for listening. If you're listening through Apple Podcasts, uh, would you please be so kind as to leave a five star review? You can follow the show on Twitter, that's at I G L W K E. You can follow me on Twitter, which is at King's Eyes Life. Uh, you can check out the website on which there is a whole smandering of various uh, content. There's blogs, there's videos, there is obviously all the rest of the podcasts. There is a merch store, which I'm uh, getting back into working on quite shortly. Uh, there's, uh, for example, a new Say Invader t-shirt coming out uh, for, as you know, kind of in line with the content he's currently producing, which is Attack on Titan. Sidebar, very sidebar at the late end here. I am now watching Attack on Titan, and I'm quite enjoying it. Um, Yes. So, with that, I will bid you adieu. Uh, I will say I'm uh, going to pursue being back next week, probably with a shorter and more structured episode like I usually would do. But for now, thank you very much for listening, and I will catch your ass next week. Lights got me so enticed, and I know just where I'm gonna go tonight. It's where the Miller High Life's always cold as ice. It gets me high on life, but it's always low in price. I got 38 bucks, and I'm spending it all. And when I hop into the Uber, when they threw it last call, I'ma tell the driver to play this song and proudly sing along. Home is where the bar is.